Hey! <laughs> a whole nother week has advanced in our lives, Chris. And, and a big change. We're really? not live. We aren't live this week. And because it's a right downer. now, I am in sunny Florida. You are. As you, all you people listen to this, Chris is soaking up the sun and the rays and the Here comes ocean. the sun. In your face, Chris. I'll probably be at Universal Studios as we speak. I am there right now. You're not going to be laying on a beach with the waves crashing over your barren belly. We're going to Central Florida. (laughs) Oh, all right. Well, I mean, you could go to a lake. Uh, We're only, it's only an hour and 20 minute drive to Cocoa Beach. Oh, Cocoa. Cacao. Cacao. Beach. (laughs) Yes. That's what I would call it. So I think we are going to go there, actually. Really? Yeah. Is that on the Gulf side or the... No, it's on the Atlantic Atlantic. Side. Atlantic. It's going to be cold water. It's going to be cold and full of sharks. <laughs> full of the great whites. It's the a white little sharks. cold in Orlando to be floundering around in unheated water too much. Is it? Well, I mean, in the morning, it can be pretty chilly. And most days, it still gets up in the mid-70s. Some days, it gets in the 80s. Seems like a good day. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't bother me, but if you're in cold water and it's 72 degrees out. But you don't like the hot. Oh, I hate it. I love You cold. don't like heat? If it's going to be 70 degrees and you can get in a nice 60 degree bath, that's, I feel like that's your jam. <laughs> um, Something to cool you down. Yeah. Your core temperature I don't is like a little bit beach, higher though. than most people. I'm not a beach person. I mean, the ocean beach is where it's at. I mean, the ocean does call me. <laughs> I know. It's always calling you. It's calling me as well. Yeah. I do love the ocean. Do you? I just don't like the beach. I don't get it. Like, I love, I like the ocean a lot, but I love beach oceans or ocean beaches is what I meant. So if you go to a lake beach around here or any, like a beach up at like uh, Lake Michigan, something like that, it's yeah, that's fine. Nicest it's, beaches it's okay. I've ever been in in my life, and I've been to a lot of beaches, is on the coast of Michigan. On the lake. Yeah, they're amazing yeah. beaches. And that's fine, but it's not the ocean. It's not the same. It's not salt water. It's not... It's very similar, It doesn't though. smell the same. It does not smell the same. You don't see the big ocean liners out on the horizon in the distance. Yeah. You know? You don't see the... <laughs> The fins of the sharks. You don't get stung by jellyfish. That's true. They don't get to pee on people. That's a positive thing. Oh, it is positive. Yeah. So positive. <laughs> like, you don't get that with lakes. You get it with the ocean, though. Yeah. I feel like that's where it's at. All right. I mean, yeah, you're all about peeing on people, so. <laughs> yeah, as of right now, I guess. <laughs> um, we are going to do, uh, for this episode, top 10 Denzel yeah. Washington. Another top 10 movies. coming at you. And that's Denzel. because we brought that up when we were doing our top 10 Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. And about halfway through, we realized that we should be doing Denzel, like a higher caliber actor. Yeah. So the last like three episodes, we've discussed him because last episode we brought him up too. And we realized like he has a lot of good movies. Yeah. And I enjoy him thoroughly. Like all of his acting, I have loved. So. We kind of thought maybe it's time to pay a little homage to Denzel and give him a top 10. Yeah. You know? 
And uh, so we're going to do that a little bit coming up. We're going to do some what we're watching. Uh, Jerry has some news, I think. I do? No, you don't. No, do you? I, I, I didn't have any, <laughs> any news. That's we started the talking uh, before the podcast. Well, first of all, after the podcast, Jerry's going to do a little bit of um, the Oculus. Yeah. I, I am. Yeah. That's why I brought it. Well, I saw you walk in with it. I didn't know if you needed to work on it or it's if you had a, you. a boxing match you needed to <laughs> attend to. Boy, I tell you what, I did a boxing match on there, and I was literally sore the next day. <laughs> you told me. So Chris texts me. He's like, I just got done boxing three rounds. He's like, and I'm dead. I'm so dead. <laughs> I, I was. I was sweating. I didn't have any energy left. I was sore the next day. And then, yeah, and I saw you the next day, and you're like, I'm I feel terrible after doing that in a virtual reality headset. I did accidentally punch the wall twice. Oh, really? Yeah, but that's not what hurt. I, my muscles were just sore from like shadow boxing. Right. But I mean, I, it's you're doing that it you with don't all do. of your. It's not like you're just sitting there like, meh, meh, meh. No, you feel like you need to punch a person. You do. You feel like you need to punch hard. You don't, but you, well, you kind of do because the faster you punch, you know, the, the more. The harder. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you're fully extending and punching as hard as you can. It would be cool to do it with like a, a heavy bag or something, but I don't think it would work just right because they, you do have to move around a little. Well, and a bag would move unless somebody's holding it for you all the time. And literally, you do get tired of like blocking. Like, just, really? Yeah. So, you're a, a professional boxer now, is well, what you're saying. I tell you what, I destroyed that dude that I boxed. Did you really? Yeah. But I did realize it was after that. Easy. No, it was on normal. Okay. But I realized after doing it, I'm like, I don't think I'd be very good at boxing in real life. I just don't have the stamina. You don't think so, huh? You no. wouldn't be good at a professional level sport No, of fighting I, people? I, I never said professional level. I mean, any boxing. Like, <laughs> oh, if okay. I went to like a uh, boxing gym locally with, oh, with another... Right. I, I was assuming you meant professional, because normally you go to the extreme saying, no. like, you can achieve this goal. Well, I could achieve at, it if I wanted to, but... You, it would at, take a lot of work. At 35, you believe you could achieve a professional level boxing skill. No, not skill. professional, but I, I said at 35, if I spent the next year in a boxing gym really training, I could probably be a mediocre amateur. Really? So I think anybody could, right? Yeah, I think so, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just said mediocre amateur. You did. <laughs> I guess that would be possible. Grady, I tell I you what. I think with my, my oldest... size and frame, like just if I were in shape and worked at it for a year, like I have a good physical ability to. Listen, this whole size and frame thing. I just realized a lot of these MMA fighters that are the greatest in the world, weigh less than me. Well, that's just because they're fighting people that weigh less than you too. That's unbelievable. Like Conor <laughs> McGregor. Conor like, McGregor just continuously is getting his ass kicked. He, he is. What is going on? He was with very him? good. Like for there a time. was a huge amount of hype. He was the biggest in the world, and now he just seems like he is. You know, just, I st I still feel like he's could be a very good fighter or is a very good fighter. But all I wanted to say was like he weighs like 158 pounds. Yeah, and he's like five six, five seven, something like that. I don't know, man. Have he's you a small seen man. Heavyweights box like those six two guys with well, like huge reaches. The Conor I, McGregor ain't gonna. Oh, it's no, not going to no. work out for him with them. I didn't say I was going to fight those people <laughs> or that he should fight those people. I'm just saying a lot of the fights I've watched well, yeah, that you just assume. I know there's weights. There's world-class boxers in every weight group. It's just crazy to me that small these smaller people are like that good. Yeah. 
and that ripped, you know? Ferocious. Is that, it's possible to do these things? <laughs> like, do you have to have some sort of determination? Yeah. Maybe like a will? Psychosis? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but know. no, what, how do we get talking about boxing? Cause we the were, we were Oculus. Oh, you're going to do some Oculus. Okay. Uh, we'll do, we'll have you do first steps. Is there golf? No, I don't have it. Well, there probably is, but I don't have it. Well, that's a, I've still barely really put, put any time into the Oculus. I did recently get missed, which is a game from like the early nineties that I had as a kid, but it's been remastered and put into the Oculus. Isn't there like. Aliens in the Mist? No, absolutely Like not. the movie? Mist is a point-and-click puzzle game where you like are, are you're on this abandoned island, mm-hmm. and there's these like magical books, and you have to go, and there's a red one and a blue one, and there's people in these books. Like when you open the book, it's like a TV screen, and they're, oh. but it's all static, and then occasionally there'll be like somebody talking to you, right? So you have to go around and solve all these puzzles, to uncover the mystery of what's in these books. And what's in these books are these two brothers. One's evil and one's good. And you have to get pages and retrieve them from these different various puzzles. That These puzzles will take you to different worlds or different parts of the island. Okay. And you get these pages, you bring them in, and then eventually you got to make a choice of which one you want to save. But you don't. You got to figure it out. It's a mystery, you know. It's really, really cool game. Like which brother you're going to save? Yeah, because you can only, I mean, if you... So you're going to let someone die? I guess, You're yeah. choosing... Well, one of them's evil. You're choosing death for one of them. Yeah. You are the the master of... Death. Death. The Grim Reaper. Yeah. <laughs> so it's cool, but... Um, and remember earlier when we talked about the Oculus, I told you that I didn't think the graphics engine was good enough for, like, scrolling, like, moving... Yeah. Th- I was completely wrong because in this game, okay. you, you can do that. You can run around with your joysticks um, just like any other video game like Call of Duty or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it is incredibly disorienting to do it. It and Because you're not moving. You're not physically moving and your legs aren't. I have no motion sickness. I think it's a fake thing. I think yeah. anybody that has motion sickness is um, a lesser being. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't think it's real. Yeah. Right? Anybody, whenever I get on a boat with anybody and they complain about feeling sick, I don't like that person. Really? I don't like people that do that. Okay. So I thought motion sickness from the Oculus. What a joke, right? I strapped on, and, and it wasn't terrible because you I, did because you I have a huge. It. I have a huge high Strap. willpower. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, no, I, I tell you what. The, when I started playing that game, like ten minutes in. It makes you queasy to your stomach. So now you understand what motion sickness is. I guess. Yeah. But I just powered through it and it's you've, totally you've fine. never been on a boat where the waves are so severe no, that it, has made you sick? No. That's and I've a, been in some severe waves. It's an equilibrium thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to be able to power through. Well, did you power through this one? Yeah. You didn't throw up? Of course I didn't throw up. <laughs> in your own house? Wouldn't that be something? Like you just open a door and a guy has an Oculus on and he just starts puking uncontrollably throwing up on the floor. And it's like, what What are you doing? I was just side-scrolling. <laughs> so, no, it's crazy. But um, maybe you can try a little bit of the Star Wars game. We can see how that goes. Oh, yeah. I'll probably win them. Yeah. I'll probably win all of them. Um. 
No, I'm excited for that. I think it will be incredible. I want to try it. We'll see. We'll see what time it is when we get done. Because I I do want to watch some TV tonight. Do you? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, The other thing we were talking about a lot is cryptocurrency. Because Jerry bought himself some Dogecoin. No. No, I I tried. (laughs) I was going in there trying to get some Doge um, because that's the hot new trend. And I thought maybe I'll hop on this trend and, you know, make a little... Cache, make a little doge, yeah, a little doge on top of my Sunday, and it didn't work out. No, they don't. Um, they don't sell it on Coinbase. No, like I have Coinbase as an app. I wonder if they sell it on the Cash app. I think they do. Okay, on Cash app. Um, I've been thinking about getting rid of Coinbase and switching to the Cash app. It's really aggravating with Coinbase because I've tried multiple different currencies and they don't support it. It's like. Then I started reading about it. And I was like, Coinbase is the top performer in all cryptocurrency, but they don't allow you to buy anything. Yeah, well, and they do they, allow you to buy a lot. They do, but everything I searched, they didn't, and it was really <laughs> aggravating. So I don't know. So I bought some other things after I was researching stuff, and hopefully, I become a millionaire. Yeah, and my uh, AMC gamble paid off big today. I didn't sell today out. It though. Did. I'm going to hold. By the time this podcast You're comes out, strong. I will be broke. <laughs> yes, you will have lost all I of that. I actually bought some more because uh, it dipped down low the other day. Um, and I bought and it dipped down even lower. And then it was down 30% at the end of trading. And I'm like, Phew. So you don't plan on selling it at all? Like I selling anything? Buy more. Um, you know, I have to wait a year because it's not in a retirement account. It's in a taxable investment account. So I have to wait a year for it to be considered capital gains. So, uh, otherwise, you got to pay income tax on it. Oh, so you don't? You just don't want to pay income tax on it? Yeah, no, I want to pay capital gains tax. Okay, <laughs> I see what you're getting at. So, uh, Dave Portnoy, the he used to be the CEO of Barstool Sports, but he sold it, and he's just El Prez now. Um, I don't know what his title is actually at the company. He's not involved anymore. So he's not the owner anymore. I didn't know that. There's a bigger corporation that owns the uh, Barstool. He's, I think he's still on the board of directors and whatnot. Um, they call him El Prez because he's the president of Barstool is what I assume. But he's not the CEO. He's not in charge of the entire company. He sold out a couple of years you know ago. that presidents are in charge of the company. Presidents and CEOs are different things. Are they? Yeah. Okay. Well, they call him El Prez, but apparently he's, he's probably not the, the president. president of the board of directors. That's what I said. That's yeah. literally what I just said. So, I mean, technically, the board of directors is in charge of a company, and the president of the board of directors is in charge of the board of directors. The CEO is just a chief executive officer. Okay. I don't know how it's structured. <laughs> I just know he sold his company, and he is he does not own it anymore. Okay. Um. So how it's structured, I don't know, but. Uh, obviously he's still a big deal in the company. He just doesn't own it. He sold it for like, it wasn't anything huge. It was like uh 15 or 20 million, something like that. Seems pretty big. Yeah, it would. But when you have a big company like that, a lot of times you talk about like hundreds of millions of dollars being spent. Yeah, it but it's a media that. company. So I can't remember what it was sold for, but he made multiple millions of dollars and he continues to make multiple multiple millions of dollars from this company because of the position he's in but he has put together so during the whole covid thing he put together a fund for small businesses and he was uh accepting donations from 
other large companies or anybody that wanted to donate across the country or the world. Yeah, um, like Tom Brady gave him like $10 million or something. Yeah, and he was selecting a small business every day to give money to, um, to keep them like alive and functioning during COVID while everything was shut down. So he was putting out videos of calling people that of these small businesses and saying, Hey, we're giving you X amount of dollars like to continue to go. Obviously you had to, these businesses had to like apply for it and then he would select from there. Uh, but he has given out multiple millions of dollars within this fund to these different businesses. But um, that was just a little bit of backstory because I think he's like a normal man that just stumbled into this money because of a company that he made, you know, like, yeah. And, but he's still so incredibly grounded and normal. So now during this whole, uh, you know, big stock market ordeal, he is completely on the side of the people that are doing it. And he's like, this is ridiculous that any of this would be censored when Robin hood, started censoring their stocks and saying like they dropped off. But and, they allowed people to still sell. Yeah, they, but they, you couldn't buy anymore. Right. And if you tried to buy it, they just refund your money and say, no, no, no thanks. Well, that's censoring a free market and it's completely illegal to do. And he was blowing up all over social media, blowing up well, about it. Uh, and today he put out a post that said, he's like, listen, he's like, I've got $2 million in AMC right now. He's like, and I've got another... Uh, like 1.5, I think 1.1.5 or like 1 million in, uh, uh, GameStop. He's like, I'm letting it ride. I'm not going to sell. I'm not going to take it out. I'm not doing anything with it. He's like, I'm letting it ride the entire time. I will lose $3 million for all of you guys because this is ridiculous. He's like, and I'm going to try to figure out each black suit that's involved with this and, and say, you're at fault. You're at fault. You're at fault. He's like, and he just started like naming people on the internet, you know, and that is a really dangerous thing to do. Yeah. But that dude is going all out right now. He's put $3 million of his own money at risk right now, said, I'm a hundred percent going to lose this, but I'm going to lose it on a good cause because all of these guys like F you, I don't care what's going to happen. I don't want you to win. And you're not going to win. And I'm going to make sure of it. I mean, it's not necessarily a foregone conclusion. If people leave the money in and the company uses that capital to improve their business model right, and to it, make it, more revenue, then it, they it could, could increase as a company. It GameStop could, could take all that capital. Now, I don't know how it works on spending capital that you've gotten from the stock market on a volatility play because... Mm -hmm you got to wonder, the company's got to sit there and wonder, is that money going to be around? Can I, mean, I really invest it? Yeah, exactly. Like, can they do anything with it right now? I don't know. If it were to disappear, are they in the hole then? Like, yeah, I don't know they're how to lose it. I don't know how it works. Know. But, you know, if GameStop were to go out and say, oh, we got $100 billion in new capital, so we're going to go buy a video game developer and mm -hmm. become a video game development company, they have to do GameStop absolutely has to do something different. Yeah, I mean, it's like the blockbuster of like our, the modern day. Right I will now. say this, okay? I I enjoy GameStop. I'm an, I'm a member. I pay for a yearly Still? membership to GameStop, even though I almost never use it. I I canceled mine a long time um, ago. I, it's just because every once in a while I buy something and then it ends up breaking even to 
because they get discounts for members, you know? Mm -hmm. So by the time you get the discount, you might as well just get the membership because it's paid for. So you're not really paying anything. But anyway, my point is, I still go there quite a bit. I mean, three or four times a year. I mean, I guess that's quite a bit. A week? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. And I, t I typically try and buy my games from there. I almost always buy my games from GameStop. You still buy physical games? Yeah. Do you really? You don't You don't go the route of downloading them no. from your couch? Although, from now on, I think I will, because now that we have two Switches in the house, mm -hmm. if you have two Switches and you buy a downloadable game, you can play that game on either Switch. Um, I found out how to do it. It took me a little, a lot of research, but I figured out how to do it. I don't know how that's possible because you can't use the same account, right? So at the same time, I have an account, and then my kids have child accounts under me. Okay. So if I and every physical Switch console has a registered owner, so Cash's yeah, he's registered. It's registered under his account. Sky's is registered under her account, right? If you have the the game install, if you get the download code and install it on Cash's Switch, for example, it's it's under the parent account and goes to both. Well, that's one way to do it. But say you don't do that and you put it in Cash's account on his Switch, okay? Mm -hmm. um, then there is no way for Sky to play it. However. If I download the game on a Cash's Switch, but register Sky's Switch as Cash's home Switch, um, and then download the game in his account on the other Switch, it'll always it'll, work on that one, as, and then it'll always work on Cash's as long as he has an internet connection. It's because when you open the game, it'll, it'll go on the internet, check and make sure that you actually own it, and then allow you to play it. Wow. So they can actually both play. That's interesting. And Why don't can, you just... Download it as the parent account. Well, because I didn't know any of this until after I'd already downloaded the games. Oh, I see. From now on, I'll download it under the parent account. But you still have to do the same thing, essentially. It's the same thing. They would both have to have like So a, download it on the one. So the Download it on the opposite one you want all the time. Yes. No, Basically. download it on the one, like if you had one that always stayed in your house and one that traveled, for example. Yeah. Um, download it on the one. Yeah, the travel one, and and then the other one at your house is always going to have access to the internet. Of course, my kids always have access to the internet anyway. Exactly, so it doesn't like matter. they're both and they're going to both be with you most but, likely. But a physical game card, you can't only one switch at a time. Now, granted, you can take it out of one and put put it in the other. Well, if you put the the game card in the switch, can't you download it to the switch and not use the? You game still card need anymore? the game card to access oh. the game. So that is the downside, and then also like, they get lost. You know, they're small. They do, but that's why I literally beat it into my children to not lose these games. Cash has never lost a game until the other day. I there was a new update for Breath of Wild, and I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm gonna put that thing back in. I want to play it. Gone. Really? Yeah. Wonder where that went. I wonder. Maybe I should look around my house. It's probably at your house. Do you <laughs> have Breath of Wild? Uh, no, I don't. So if you have it, so it's if mine. I have it, it's yours. Yeah, for sure. We thought for a while that Grant lost all of our all of our Switch games because they were all in the case that he took to a friend's house, and uh, I, I don't remember what the situation was, but it was like we didn't think he took the case, but he did end up taking the case. So we didn't. We thought it was at home, but he ended up taking it to a friend's house and left it there. And then we figured out like, oh, okay, it's at there. It, 
it was at Wilkinson's house, and then they just had to bring it back to us. Um, but for a long time, we thought we lost a lot of games, yeah. and I was not. And that's happy. the annoying thing is like old games on the Switch are still like sixty dollars. Like if you lose a Mario game, good luck. Doesn't they, matter. They never yeah, go down in price. Yeah, they really don't. It's not like any other console. They some of them do, but like, but they pretty much stay the course. Yeah. We're gonna be a lot of money for so you. So anyway, that was a long way of talking about GameStop. Um, anyway, so I go in there quite a bit, and if you go in there recently, they've really upped their merchandise. So they have like lots of like clothing or no. Well, they do mean? have clothing, but they have like a lot of different toys. But they have like high end, like they have statues in there. That you can buy like cayenne, like Todd McFarlane. Oh, they do type, type stuff. They have they have lots of stuff in there. Do they have like Jim Lee statues and stuff? Um, I or don't like know, those maybe. black and white uh, Batman? They have tons of Batman statues, and they have like a Harley Quinn ones and all kinds of different cool ones. Oh, I'm gonna have to look at that. Yeah, and they have. T- it's mostly that now. It's le- less tell games you what, and more of that. When we go to like C2E2 or any kind of Comic Con. When we pass by those booths that people have statues like that, oh, I want them so bad, but they're so expensive. Man, do I spend some time staring! And at I'm these also things. like, where would I ever put any of these things? <laughs> I don't care. I just want it and want to be able to have it. There was a statue that we saw last year of Yoda. Uh, he was like battling stormtroopers, but he was literally like had his feet on the chest of a stormtrooper. The stormtrooper had his arms back. And was like leaning back, and he had his lightsaber straight through his chest. So it was like he had just jumped, he had already stabbed him, but he jumped up with his feet to pull it out. Yeah. And it was like the coolest statue <laughs> in the world. And I was like, I will literally get another mortgage <laughs> to buy this statue. But you didn't. I didn't because I would have been divorced. Yeah. So it was only $700 cheap <laughs> no i have no idea what it no cost. i don't remember what it cost either but it, man it was so cool so anyway this all started out with amc um because there was some news that came out today after all that hoopla it went back up today of course uh because they finally allowed a trade again the ceo of amc has come out and said any notion of bankruptcy is now off the table really yeah it's not even a concern at this point first of all they took in a big third-party investment um, to help prop them up, but also with this new stock money influx. Yeah. I mean, 300% over the last week. Um, I know, but like you said, how do they use that as capital across the board for the company I, when it's so... I mean, COVID's not going to last forever, so... It's not, but you can't guarantee this stock price is going to stay up. You know it's going to plummet, right? Like, it, it's it got to. I mean, maybe, with a market value of $3 billion today, AMC and holders of its debt took advantage of the elevated share price this week. On January 25th, the company announced it raised $506 million of equity and another, and another $411 million of debt. That added liquidity should allow the company to make it through the dark coronavirus impacted winter. The same day, it launched so it's a new got- offering to sell up to $50 million additional shares. But it's got like a hundred million in liquid money. When well, you're saying five hundred some million of well, new stock and four hundred eleven of debt. That debt is liquid money, though. I mean, they just have to pay it back. Yeah, but they're a hundred million above the debt, so they have nearly a billion of liquidity to spend. Yeah. Um. So anyway, interesting. The whole thing I find very fascinating. The other one that's interesting to me incredible. is BlackBerry because you know. 
they're they're really an interesting no, side note to this whole ordeal because they're kind of on the fringe and they're getting swept up in it. But at the same time, I don't know how they're useless. They're not. That's the thing. They have some of the best cybersecurity software, and they're targeting specifically okay. security software for self-driving and- vehicles. So they have an actual product with a significant, uh, like they're they already got contracts to be like a security and software provider for like the neck the future of. So Amazon automobiles. and Tesla are gonna have to hit that up. Or Google, Ford, whoever you know. I mean, no, I know anybody, but I'm saying like right now. I mean, Tesla has a self-driving car. Google does. I think Amazon does. Yeah. Um, Amazon doesn't, but they're a major investor in Rivian, which is starting oh, yeah. up a new factory know, in Bloomington, Illinois. Are they really? And that's the main competitor of the whole Tesla truck. Yeah, I mean, it, so Rivian it was its main investors are Ford and Amazon. Amazon already ordered. Uh, something obscene amount a number of delivery vans. I tell you what, I would I would purchase one of those Rivian trucks. The uh, I, the Rivian truck and the Rivian delivery van for Amazon is all going to be the base chassis for the Ford Transit and for the F one fifty. Really, for the electric F one fifty and the electric Ford Transit van. So that's huh. it. It's gonna. It's not publicly traded. Um, Interesting. My dad um, actually bought uh, several years ago, paid the thousand dollars to get like, uh, like how though a lot of those Tesla worked originally and this Rivian worked is you paid like a thousand dollars and that guaranteed your spot in line to get one is like first when they came out, but you can get your thousand dollars back anytime. Like mm-hmm. if you changed your mind, it was basically like uh, investment upfront for them to raise enough capital to finish the project and then by allowing them the use of that capital, they they give you that $1,000 off the purchase of your vehicle. So you never really spent the money. You right. just loaned it to them yeah. interest-free. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, so after Dad passed away, I'm like, you know what? He was super excited about this truck. Like he wanted this truck more than anything. I'm like, I'm going to get the truck as soon as I can, which is this year. I mean, 2021. Yeah. Um, and then I started looking up what they cost. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of money. Yeah, they were like 80, 80 grand. And yes. it's basically like a Ford Ranger. The size-wise. But, size wise, but, but it's four-wheel th- drive, but it's independent. Like each tire has an electric motor that drives yes. the tires. But what I don't know is what the government incentive will be. I've heard as much as 50%. So it could end up being 40 grand. I mean, that's worth it. Well, I mean, that's about what a new pickup truck costs, you know? A very cheap one. I I didn't pay that much for my truck. You got lucky. I didn't get lucky. You got I just lucky. W- everybody needs to go to that p- place I bought my truck at. I don't know why people no. spend so much money. You don't find them anywhere else. I, I guess that's the only place that sells them that way, because even used trucks are thirty thousand dollars, like close to. I don't know. It's unbelievable that you got that deal, but um. I was going to say something about the electric car manufacturers. And I don't remember. <laughs> we got on a tangent. I mean, I I'm going to buy a Tesla as soon as I can afford one. A, a car or a truck? Car. 
or SUV of some kind. Do they have an SUV? Yeah, they do. What is it? Their car also, by the way, um, has three rows of seats. How's that possible? They're because they don't have an engine. Well, I know, but which which model? They've got so many different models. An S, E, not and the an S series, the like mid range series. I don't know. I think they have uh, the front seats, obviously, and then a row of two captain's chairs, and then a back bench seat. Oh, really? I, I think so. I could be wrong, but I think that's the layout. I don't know. I know a lot of people have had problems like within states that freeze and have a difficult winter because the door handles sink into the door itself. So, uh, Oh, it fills up with ice? Yeah, the whole thing. No, the, like it's completely flat. You know, it's like flush with each other. So what you have to do is like hit a button and it pops the door handle out just hinged on one side. And then you use that to open the door. But also, once you pull it to open the door, the window itself has to come down like a half inch before you can open the door. So the door handles are freezing and the windows are freezing up. So everybody's having to thaw out the door handles and the seam for the window to try to get it open. (laughs) Yeah. I only thought about it because um, we Marley drives a lot to the city constantly mm-hmm. and puts a ton of miles on yeah. for work. And they're like new series that the cheaper series, they're pretty reasonable. They're like thirty two thousand dollars, thirty thousand really? dollars. I think I'm, I've never for looked their at sm- any of them. for their small like I think it's the S series they call it. I, and I, maybe I'm not right about that, but they're after all the rebates and stuff, they're pretty reasonably priced. And, you know, with the mileage, she's just going there and back and then can right. come back and plug it in. Yeah. So I'm like, it seems like a no-brainer. They've got like 450 miles. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. So I'm like, I should just get one of those and we would save a ton of money on... Right now, she drives a vehicle that gets 11 miles to the gallon. <laughs> right. You would spend no money. Right. I mean, besides the charging cost, which is not... It's nothing. Anywhere close to what it would be for fuel, so... Yeah, I'm not talking about buying one of those like $120,000 Teslas. I you just, should, though. No. Come <laughs> I on. would never spend that much money on Come a on, sell a couple more trees and you're good to go. A couple thousand more trees. <laughs> nah, a couple more. Get, get a couple river birch out the door and you got a new Tesla. We'll see. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I don't either. I've made enough money on my Tesla stock to about buy half of a Tesla car. So Really? Yeah. That's good. It's been pretty amazing. <laughs> That's real good. But you need that as a retirement, so don't use it. Yeah, I guess. You need to fold that over into an IRA. Best drama movies of 2019. Does anybody care about that? It Why is, is that a list? I don't know. No, I don't care about that at no, all. No, nobody does. I just was looking at different lists. To go over and like, why would you have the best movie drama movies of 2019 up as like a front runner for your list? That's stupid. Well, should we just get into our top 10 Denzel? Yeah, I think we should. Um, We've got 10 movies from an incredible actor who has won two Oscars. What was your first experience with Denzel Washington? Do you remember? No, I don't necessarily remember. It all kind of blends together. It was in the 90s. Um, my mom had watched Glory a lot, and yeah. I, but I didn't know who he was at the time. I started getting into him like in high school, uh, watching different movies. But 
I don't know. I, I, I guess it would be whenever my wa- mom was watching like TV. I mean, I'm trying to look up some of his earliest movies right now. Um, the Pelican Brief was pretty early on. And I know of that movie. Yeah. I, uh, he Got Game. That was pretty early on, right? Yeah, I don't know that one, though. Oh, you don't know that? That's a great movie. No, I don't. I think that's a Spike Lee movie. A joint. Joints, yeah. A yeah. Spike Lee joint. Uh, yeah. Ricochet. That wasn't early. That one I don't know at all. Really? So I read that movie. I saw that it was one that he had done. I have no idea what that is. I mean, because I think about it, and you look at Remember the Titans, which came out in 2000. Yeah, that one I remember thoroughly. But you knew who Denzel Washington was clearly by that point. So I'm trying to think of from what. Yeah, you're right. I did. Um, You know, Philadelphia, I guess, was pretty early in the 90s. Um, I don't know. Anyway, let's get into it. I don't either. Um, Top yeah, 10 Denzel. Denzel movies. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. That's right. Um, number 10. My number 10 is a movie that came out in 2016. The Magnific- Oh, are we, are, do we have to do that? No. The Magnificent Seven. Um, yes. So that is with a lot of people. Um, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt's Ethan in it. Hawk. Ethan Hawke, yes. And That's uh, a, it's another uh, Antoine Fuqua movie, I believe. The director of, uh, you know, they teamed up on Training Day and then again on Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Um, I had this on number 10. Now It's like a Western. I was super excited about this movie. When I heard about it and when it came out, I love Westerns. Yeah. You don't see enough of them. No. This movie was coming out. I'm like, this is going to be a game changer. Um, I put it on 10 on my list because I did really enjoy it. But I don't think it quite lived up to the hype I expected or wanted it to be. Really? You know, but I liked it. I mean, um, I have to say sheepishly, I haven't ever seen it. Really? No, I never saw it. It's good. I I enjoyed it. it. It took a lot of shit. Here's the thing. I believe for the longest time I got it confused with, so the Magnificent Seven and then the Hateful Eight. Oh, really? There's no comparison there. <laughs> I legit got them confused because I thought it was the same movie. Really? Yeah. Well, it is not the same movie at it, all. No, Magnificent Seven is like an old movie. This was a remake. Okay. And it was remade like to be edgier because that's what Antoine Fuqua does. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Fuqua does. Um, so, yeah, that was my number 10. That's what Fuqua. You should check it out. I think you'd like it. You like Westerns. You know what's a great them. Western? I um, love Westerns. 310 to Yuma. It is. That's a good movie. Who's in that? Um, is that Russell Crowe? Is he in that? I don't know who's in that. Yeah, I, don't I think it is. I think it is Russell Crowe. You know, it is Russell Crowe and Christian Bale. Yes, Christian Bale's in it. So I've seen that movie, and that's a remake of an older movie as well. Oh, yeah, well. and I've it's seen the old the very old, old one, movie. and it's also very good. Um. Yeah, good movie. <laughs> it's not a Denzel movie, but whatever. My number 10 is something that I thought I would have higher, to be honest. And then once once I got into like all of his pictures and started realizing what Denzel's done, uh, it didn't rank very high. It's going to be my number 10, but it is a movie called... Glory. John Q. Oh, John Q. Yes. Do you know that movie? I mean, I... 
I passively remember it. I just kind of feel like it's just kind of a generic action movie. Oh, so not one of your favorites, huh? No. Okay. Was it an action movie? I don't really remember it. To it's be somewhat of an action movie, I guess, but uh, John Quincy Archibald takes a hospital emergency room hostage when his insurance won't cover his son's heart transplant. Absolutely. Now I remember it. So he goes to the hospital. You know, he realizes his son needs the heart transplant. They get everything set up. And then at the end of the day, it's like, nope, your insurance won't do anything for you. You're going to have to pay for this. And then he loses his mind. And in order to get his son a heart transplant, he takes a person hostage in the hospital, won't let anybody come in or out until his son gets the heart transplant. And kind of a ridiculous premise, seeing as how you have to have a heart available to do this. But um, with any of Denzel's movies, you can have a somewhat... uh, like boring plot, you can have a somewhat like lacking story. Yeah. But Denzel makes that he pushes it so way up. much better. And I think he did that with this movie. It's nothing that got any awards or him an award, but I remember watching this movie uh I mean it was a long time ago. It came out what, two thousand two and I was a sophomore in high school. And I remember watching it right after it came out and I was like struck. Like, the way this guy acts. Honestly, I would say that would be the movie. That would be the movie that really, like, cemented uh, Denzel in my brain. And I know, like, remember the Titans came out before that, and a lot of stuff came out before that. But this movie really struck me because I was like, he is so intense, (laughs) and he is so in love with this child, and I didn't know what that meant at the time. Like, I didn't know what it was like to have a kid. You didn't know what it was to love? No. I had no (laughs) love in my life whatsoever like for anyone siblings parents no i i felt nothing (laughs) until denzel taught it to me yeah through john q that's what that's what taught me love that's awesome yeah and so that's if anybody can teach you love it's it's mr washington yeah that's awesome john q my number 10 uh, my number nine is and and i'll be fully honest uh and i told this to jerry before we started i go i have seen most of these movies, mm-hmm. but a lot of them I just barely remember. But I remember, like, I don't necessarily remember the ins and outs of the plot, but I remember the, like the movie having an impact at me on me at the time. Yeah. Um, so the ones that are higher in the list are ones that I go back to more frequently or own or have seen or do remember the plot. But some of the ones on the top of the list, you know, they get a little, you know, vague. And okay. and Denzel Washington has some generically vague action movies. He However, had, he, he has a genre there. Yeah, where he's but he like, elevates everyone that he's in. He really does. Like, uh, well, and I don't want to say it because you might have it on your list. But anyway, my number nine is one of those movies and it's Inside Man. Inside Man, yeah. yeah. And I just remember liking this movie and partially for two reasons. Denzel Washington and I love Clive Owen and yeah. like everything that he's in. He's one of my favorite actors. I wish that he worked more. He doesn't. I know, but like I loved um, Children of Me- uh, Children of Men. Is that what it's called? Children of Men. I don't know. Sin City is one of my favorite movies yeah, of all Sin time. Sin City's great. Uh, anything Clive Owen's in, and Clive Owen p- plays the bank robber, and mm-hmm. uh, Denzel plays the cop, the, cop. the detective. Um, and it's just a straight up heist, like standoff, 
uh, bank robber negotiation, yes. criminal mastermind movie. But it's, you know, it's it's intense. I love Denzel as a cop oh, that is trying God. to stop someone, and he's like, he's like part interrogator. He's part like, uh, what's that called? The the guy that's always on the bullhorn trying to get people to stand down. Hostage like, negotiator. Yeah. That's what he does a lot of the time. And everything is wrapped into basically his character. None of the other police force or anybody else in the movie has anything to do with what's going on. He has to take on all of it. <laughs> right. And he can do it. And that's why I love that movie. It's, it's very good. We'll talk about it again. Okay. So that's my number nine. My number nine, probably painfully low. Um, a lot of people will have this higher, I'm sure. And it is a movie called Training Day. Oh, I don't even want to talk to you right now. <laughs> I can't even, don't even speak about okay. it. Okay. Absolutely wanna, ridiculous. It's, it's not for me. Um, only because I was, I was not allowed to watch this movie for the longest time. It, it came out when I was a freshman. I was relatively young, but for some reason, my mom had this like disdain towards that movie because of how gritty and the bad language and stuff that was in it. And she, I I wasn't allowed to watch it. So I didn't get to watch this movie until much later. It is very good, obviously. And Denzel does an unbelievable job. This is where he won an Oscar. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I love the movie. I just wasn't something that rang as high as other movies in my mind because I saw it so much later. And I saw a lot of other movies before that. And uh, it's good. It, it's, I don't know. It just was my number nine because of that. I'm never talking to you again. Don't speak anymore about okay. it. Uh, my number eight is one, another one of those movies that like I remember loving, mm-hmm. but just vaguely remember it kind of has the same vibe to me as like a few good men like i saw it a bunch when i was young i know what you're talking i've seen about. it a bunch of times um but i don't necessarily remember all the ins and outs and details of it but this one is uh the manchurian candidate oh that's not what i was thinking oh um i don't know i i remember really loving that movie i like political thrillers mm-hmm. um and this is a political thriller um meryl streep's in it leah shriver and it's just a great movie overall. Like I said, I don't remember all the details, ins and outs of the plot, but I remember liking it. I already love this list because we are so different. Like, I've never even seen that movie. Really? No. I never saw it. Oh, that was a pretty big movie. It's, it was huge. I remember hearing about it a lot, but with it being a political movie, it kept me away from it. Hmm. I didn't want any part of it. But it's, like, got a big element of the military in it. Maybe. Like I don't was, know. Uh, yeah. Anyway. I don't know anything about it, to be honest. Okay. I, I just remember it being political, and I was like, ah, I would never want to watch that. So I stayed away from it. Obviously, it's something I need to go back and watch. Yeah, you should watch it. It's it's a, it's political, yes, but also like it's a thriller, like a mystery thriller, like conspiracy, a t- Which is conspiratorial what he does. type thing. Um, yeah, it's a great movie. So that's my number eight, Manchurian Candidate. Uh, my number eight is a little bit different of a movie. It's not a big time thriller. It's just a movie he's done called Flight. Oh, I know all about you, it. You do know about it, huh? Yeah. So I loved it because of the. 
it's all about him, right? It's all about this one uh, pilot and his addictions. So he has like a drug addiction and alcoholism addiction, obviously, and he's dealing with that. Uh, and he is still a pilot. He's still flying planes, commercial airliners with people on them and completing these flights, being all messed up on drugs and alcohol. And he's continuously battling this. Well, then he gets on a flight where it has like a huge malfunction during the flight. He ends up landing it, crash landing it. Uh, Saves literally everybody's life. It, like six six people die. So yeah, but he saved the he day. He saved the day, yes. But throughout the trial, once they start investigating the crash and what happened, it it comes to light that he has these addictions and that he was, uh, I can't remember if he was like high or drunk, something like his blood showed that he was on something during the crash. And then from that, a lot of other things happen. I'm not going to give away the rest of the movie, but a lot of other things happen that come to light about him. And it's a huge like internal struggle of this one character that Denzel plays Again, incredibly. And I love that movie. It's my number eight. Yes. My number seven is a book, a movie that I absolutely loved that took a huge amount of shit. Uh, I don't know why. Really? But it be- it belongs in um, one of my favorite genres of movies, and that's post-apocalyptic movies. Oh. And oh, okay. It is uh, Book of Eli. Yeah. I love that movie as well. I, I always like that movie. I don't know why people had problems with it, but um, I love po- post-apocalyptic movies. You throw Denzel into the mix, and then the intrigue of, I mean, spoilers. He's blind. He's blind, and it, then it's the Bible, is yeah, the book. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I loved it. I love that movie. It's not like The Road. It's not as good as that. It's not as good as like some of the Mad Max movies, but... I like just the whole idea of anything post-apocalyptic. It's similar to The Road. Kind of, yeah. Um, but the character that he plays um, is unbelievable. I love the sword play mm-hmm. in it. Um, it is post-apocalyptic, and we will talk about it again. Okay. That was my number seven. My number seven is a movie called Crimson Tide. Mm. Do you know this movie? Yeah, I know Crimson Tide. Are you sure? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 95, this movie came out a long time ago. Uh, Actually, got- you know what? If I had to bet, that's probably my first experience with um, with Denzel Washington. It probably was mine as well, but... Um, and probably in 95. It like didn't right resonate with me until later, but this movie is so good. When you get any kind of military movie... And Gene Hackman. Yeah, Gene Hackman's the, like the... We should, we should do a top Denzel. 10 Gene Hackman because yeah, we really should. I love that dude. I love Enemy of the State. So you've got Denzel and Gene Hackman on a submarine together. Gene Hackman's in charge of the whole submarine. He wants to just nuke everyone and get everyone dead. He wants to, he wants to dead everyone. And they, it, Denzel realizes this is bad along with everybody else on the submarine and they and Denzel's the guy that says I'm going to step up and stop him from doing this and they have like a little bit of a mutiny on the boat on the bounty on the boat on the underwater submarine to try to stop him from shooting off the nukes 
it's incredibly intense because you again are on a submarine. There's nowhere else to go. The whole movie takes place inside this vessel. It's kind of like Hunt for Red October. Very similar. I, and I believe it came out right around the same right time. around the same time as this. I but, think I love Hunt for Red October. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're both great in their different ways. I don't know. Maybe Crimson Tide's better. Crimson Tide felt more um, commercial to me, whereas Hunt for Red October felt more like this is like a an artist movie. You know yeah, what I mean? I would agree. I would agree with you, but it's very good. I, Crimson Tide had kind of like the rock vibes to it a little bit. And that's why I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I like it a lot. Um, but it also stars Denzel Washington. Yeah. It's a great, great, He's great movie. so good. Um, that's your number seven. Yeah. My number six is a movie that you didn't put high enough. Training day. It is flight. Oh, flight. Okay. That movie is one that I put off watching for years. I did too. Cause I'm like, I have no interest in this movie. It looks boring. And when did that come out? 2012. 2012. Okay. So I probably waited a couple years before I saw it. I mean, I definitely saw it on at home. I didn't go to the theaters. I didn't pay to rent it. So it was on something. Um, this movie is incredible. Yeah. It is so good. And his performance is so good in it. And it's crazy because like not that much happens in the movie. No, there's not it's a ton. basically like there's action, obviously, in the whole plane scene and everything. Yeah. But after that, it's like a courtroom and this guy's just it's a courtroom drama basically melting down. Oh man, is it good? It's great. And it's it looks amazing. Yeah, like all and, of it does. and it's not even like when I say it looks amazing, like something that's shot in like the jungles of the Amazon. No, just like the cinematography, the way, the color, the contrast, the it just looks there, really good. There are a ton of scenes in this movie, like towards the beginning, where it's just him in a hotel room snorting cocaine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically, yeah. but it's like him devolving as a person you know like you see him walking around in his captain's uniform like or his pilot uniform like everybody's like saying oh hey hey how are you like he's in charge of things and then he gets back to this hotel room and everything just crumbles and he can't control any of his urges and he just does what an addict does inside of that room and it's not the same person that that he is when he leaves the room and it's amazing how he pulls himself together to be that person when he leaves yeah. that situation. And it's it's really fun. If to you watch. haven't seen it, watch that movie. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh that's my number six flight. One. Uh ten, nine, eight, seven, six. Oh, my number six is Inside Man. Oh. It's where he was a cop that was trying to stop this bank robbery <laughs> with Clive Owen. Um, and Jodie Foster's in it, right? Yeah, Jodie Foster is like his counterpart. She's another cop, right? Yeah, I don't really remember what she was, to be honest. Yeah, she was a. I thought she was another cop. Or did she get brought in by like the people that own the bank? I can't remember. I thought she like was as a, a cop. private security it or something. Been. I don't remember. Again, I don't necessarily remember all the details. I just remember I loved this movie. I loved Denzel's character. I loved the dynamic between him and a bank robber. He has tons of monologues that he goes through and talks. And that's what I love about Denzel is like those little snippets in the movie where he has this deep emotional, like connection to a person and 
it's it's almost like it is like theatrical in the way he puts out these monologues and you just are bought in as soon as he starts speaking and you're like, man, I really need to look at my life now. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what he's always done. And I, it's cheesy to say that about a movie like inside man, but I don't know. I loved it. Yeah. Um, me too. Uh, speaking of, uh, one thing I forgot to mention on flight is the ending is amazing when, and this is spoilers. Maybe I shouldn't spoil it. But, like, basically it comes out in the court that he's, like, a hero. Yeah. And then uh, something happens. Right. He just can't continue to live his life the way he'd been living it. He's so beaten down by that point Yeah. that he just, something in him snaps. And he does something. I, mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't give it away. No. So Don't again, give it away, but. I kind of wish I would have put it higher now. But anyway, my number five is Crimson Tide. Really? Yeah. I, it, you can't. I mean, you can't not love that movie. No, you can't. It's I mean, incredible. There's very good actors. Military, submarines, Gene Hackman, Denzel Washington. So much, so much, not drama, suspense. Suspense, yeah. That you just can't even handle it. I know because they're all <laughs> the biggest thing. Like I said, is like they're all in the same vessel. <laughs> they're like all, they can't yeah. separate from each they're other. Like twenty yards from each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm on number five. Yes. Top uh, five. My number five is something that I watched as a child. It was huge during my high school years, and it is a movie called "Remember the Titans." Aha. I have an interesting story about this movie. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Because it's not on my list. Spoilers. Um, It is an unbelievable movie. There's just so many other good movies. It should be on my list. It should be on your list, yeah. Um, It's an unbelievable movie. When I was in high school when this movie came out. Yes. I think I was a... It was 2000. 2000, yeah. So I was like a sophomore. And uh, (laughs) so the football team had gone to see this movie, like as a team. Mm Mm-hmm. So one of the guys that's on the football team, he was a friend of mine, um, came back the next day or the next week or whatever. We were talking. He's like, oh, what'd you do over the weekend? I'm like, oh, I went to see Remember the Titans, the movie theater. It was great. He goes, what do you mean you went to see Remember the Titans? I go, I I don't know. I went to see Remember the Titans. He goes, how? You can't see that movie. And I go, what do you mean I can't see that movie? He goes, that movie's only for football players. (laughs) What? And I go... Uh, it's just a, it's a movie. It's a movie. And he goes, no, that movie is only, you're only spo- allowed to see it with, a, like if you're a football player with your football team. And I'm like, I think what? you're confused. Just, yeah. <laughs> he probably saw that in the like, it's locker a, room. It's a movie. <laughs> no, because the team went to the movie theater to see it. Yeah. Like as a team building activity. So he thought it was like, he thought legitimately only for sporting only events. Football teams could go see the movie. Like it was a movie that came out only for football teams to go see. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, this came out when I was in eighth grade. Um, and I don't think I, di- I didn't watch it in eighth grade. I watched it when I went into high school. And I probably watched it 45 times. It wasn't because I have such a deep connection with football. I just, everybody during that time was watching this movie and everybody loved it. I did play football the first two two years of high school and had a little bit of a connection to it because of that. 
And I think at the time I had more of a connection to the football players and what was going on for the team rather than Denzel's character. But now later in my life, as I look back on the movie and have watched it uh, after that, like the whole story is about him being like the first African-American coach and being like involved with like an integrated football team and everything that he's going through. I missed as a child. Oh, really? You know, I did. I mean, it was there, but I didn't pay attention to him. Well, I mean, I guess I was seven, 16, 17. I, I didn't pay attention to any of that when I was a kid. Yeah. As I got older, I started pay more attention to like actually the coach and what was going on on the higher level of this movie. And again, he just comes in and steals scenes. He just makes it his own. He becomes a football coach. Somehow you believe that Denzel could go out on a field right now today and coach a team to win anything that they wanted to win because of the way he holds himself. It's incredible. I just, Again, this dude could act, and I, I, I love him, and it's I love. It's a great movie. Uh, Remember the Titans. It's a huge fan favorite. Seaton Top's going to comment and say that we should have this movie higher because I know he loves this movie. Yeah, and just for the record, it was him that said only football teams could go see the movie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if it was, holy smokes, <laughs> is that being held over his head for the rest of his life? No, no, it was not him. Um, all right, number four for me is a movie that I absolutely love. I own. I watched it repeatedly when I was younger, mm-hmm. when I was a kid in high school. Um, so I was surprised when I was making this list to see that it has like a 35 on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, really? And um, it doesn't have very good reviews, but it is a movie called Fallen. I don't even know You've if never I know seen it. Fallen? No. It was part of that string of movies that came out in the late 90s that, you know, tried to capitalize on the success of Seven. So okay. um, it's a movie about, it's, it's a psychological thriller, a supernatural thriller, I should I like say. like Seven. Um, it's nothing like Seven, but it's a supernatural thriller. It's, it's about this, Denzel plays a detective. Uh, also, John Goodman's in it. They both play detectives. Yeah. And they're investigating this, um, and I, I might not get all the details right, but they're investigating this serial killer. Well, no, the serial killer, um, they're investigating his crimes, but he's been caught. He's on death row. And he gets killed mm-hmm. on death row. Like, and he says some cryptic stuff like to Denzel beforehand. So after all this, there's a string of copycat murders happening all over the city. And Love that. What you go, and they're they're investigating these. And what Denzel reveals, which nobody believes but is the truth, is that the spirit of this killer is possessing people and like moving all about the city from person to person. And so, like, like there's a scene where he's walking down the street and people, like, this spirit is like possessing people and they're like looking at him like creepily. Wow. And so these murders continue because he's possessing all these people. And then there's like, it goes to a trial and there's this whole thing. I, I love it. it. It's, it kind of re, um, I don't know. I like Sounds all those. Scary. It is, it is. It's a horror movie, really. Um, it's not like super scary. It's more of a, like a psychological thriller. Um, but it's one I definitely recommend. I, especially if you like darker things. I do. You're the prowler, so you like dark stuff. I'm 100% a prowler. Um, 
I love it. You should watch it. It's great. Doesn't get good reviews, but I call bullshit. On the really, yeah. yeah, you liked it a lot. Okay, I'll have to go back and watch that. I, I put it I, at number four. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've never seen it. I need to see that movie. If I have, I don't remember it, but I, I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, my number four is a movie we've talked about recently. Um, because I confused it with another movie and you called me out on it just a couple episodes ago on Snarf Talk. And it's a movie called Deja Vu. Oh, Deja Vu. I was trying to work <laughs> it into my list because I do love that movie, but I so, didn't get it in there. The reason I have it so high and the reason I enjoyed it so much is that I have this huge time travel argument with my brother. Me and my brother have these time travel arguments all the time, and they're really fun. We're usually on the same side of things, but we just discuss time travel often. Yeah, I love discussing and time travel. It's one of my favorite things. We, I also love discussing deja vu, so, which we have on the podcast. Yeah, we have. And uh, so obviously this movie discusses a little bit about uh, time travel. And when I saw this movie to begin with, I was deployed. It was in 2006 when it came out. I ended up seeing it in 2006, or it might have been 2007, uh, but it was right after it came out, and we had me and Nate Pagoda and a, a bunch of guys had watched this movie. And the first time I watched it, I was like, "Wait a minute!" Like I was like half asleep, kind of. And I remember looking at Nate, and I was like, "Were they jumping? Like, was there a time travel element to this movie? Like, I don't remember." He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "You of all people didn't realize this." That's the whole point of the movie. I know, but I like I said, I was literally falling asleep through the whole movie, and I was like, "Man, I guess I'm gonna have to watch this more." So then I I bought it from an Iraqi bazaar, like a little shop. Um, so I bought the movie. I took it back to my uh trailer, and then I watched it like six times in a row because I was like, "Holy cow, this blows me away!" Like everything they're doing is blowing me away at this time. Remember, I was 19. Right. And uh, again, like everything that Denzel does, just chews up the scenery. He steals all of it. And then you have, oh, what's that guy's name? The other, the other main character guy. He was in... The uh, Hebrew Hammer? He's in it, right? He was in Passion of the Christ. Oh, uh, Jim Jim, Caviezel? Jim Jim Caviezel. But isn't the Hebrew Hammer dude in it? Uh, Jonathan Silverman? No, not no. Jonathan Silverman. Um, I don't know who you're talking about. The Hebrew Hammer? Who's that? There was a movie called The Hebrew Hammer. <laughs> uh, Adam Goldberg, the actor Adam Goldberg, isn't he in it? No, I don't think so. I, I don't know. Anyway, I really liked it. It's got the suspense. It's got thr like a thriller. A, there's bombing. A, there's action. Um, there's so many things going on. Denny. And then the way they figure everything out is through time travel, and I love it because of that. Yeah. Um, I also like that movie a lot. I couldn't figure it out. This is, uh, this is the dude. Oh, yeah. He was in um, Saving Private Ryan. He wasn't saving private Ryan. He got yeah. the knife, uh, the scene that I can't watch. I can't physically watch it anymore. Where he's Not to be confused with Adam Goldberg, the writer and producer of The Goldbergs. Well, they actually make that joke in the Do they really? Show, yeah. Yeah, no, that guy in Saving Private Ryan, he's fighting the the big uh Nazi guy that Upham doesn't stop. He doesn't help. They get in a hand-to-hand -hand combat 
and then he just ends up driving a knife through that guy's chest and killing him, like, but really slowly. Yeah, painfully and intimately. Slowly. And it's, I can't stand to watch it anymore. It's so <laughs> disturbing to me. And then he walks down the stairs while Upham just sits there and cries, and he looks at him and then leaves. Oh, gosh. That <laughs> makes my heart Depressing. ache. All right, so that brings me to my number three. Three. Um, a movie that I absolutely love. Um, one of many of Denzel's sports b- movies. Mm-hmm. Remember the Titans being one of them. He Got Game is another one. There's some other ones. This one is The Who? Hurricane. I've never seen it. I don't, I don't even know if I've heard of it. What? I'm serious. This is a story of the hurricane. Keep singing, I because it's not ringing. Bob, it's up. a Bob Dylan song. It's a true story. It's a bi- biopic about uh, Reuben the Hurricane Carter. He was a boxer. This movie came out in 1999. He was a middleweight boxer who was wrongly convicted for the triple murder for a triple murder in a bar in New Jersey. Um, it's a true story. It's an, uh, based off of this guy's actual autobiography. He was wrongly convicted. Um, Sent to prison for like his whole life, basically, mm-hmm. because he's black. That's why he got convicted. Sure. Um, it depicts his arrest, his life in prison, and how he was freed by the love and compassion of a teenager from Brooklyn um, and his Canadian foster family. There's film, so that's what it's about. It's, um, there's flashback scenes of everything, but it's basically about um, this teenager and his family, like taking up his case to get him his conviction overturned. Um, I, I don't know. I absolutely love this movie. I was fascinated endlessly by it when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even more so because like when this all happened, like in the seventies or whatever, sixties or seventies, Bob Dylan like wrote a song about it. The hurricane It was like one of his most famous songs. And like everybody knew like this, guy was like wrongly convicted really just nothing ever happened because the system was really racist you know what i mean like wow and it's basically one of those types of movies i mean it's a wrongly convicted man you know a racial movie um unbelievable movie you should definitely watch it yeah i need to um i mean i didn't the only ever seen it sports aspect of it is that he was like a, a boxer. promising, like a very, very good boxer. Um, so yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um, my number three, everybody should watch that movie. Okay, it's and it's a really like a feel good that type of movie. Yeah, like, like triumphant. Yeah, Denzel, he's perfect for it. You know, what's that? I love boxing, boxing movie mo- with uh, Russell Crowe in it. Um, that's what it feels like to me. I mean, I. This is like a very much like a racial criminal. Yeah, justice it's movie. not the same. I understand. You said <laughs> boxing in a, a feel good movie, and I felt like the Russell Crowe boxing movie, Cinderella Man. That is a good movie. That's such. There's a good so movie. many good boxing movies. Ali with Will Smith is an incredible movie. It's very good. Um, Creed, the one with Hugh Jackman where the robots fight. <laughs> Box. <laughs> That's like, a great movie too. Real solid, Steel solid, or something. Yeah, Real Steel or Solid Steel. I was gonna say something like that. All right, never mind. Um, That's my, my number three. My number three is one we have discussed already, and it is called Book of Eli. Um, 
Yeah, a blind guy, post-apocalyptic. He goes around and beats some ace. Um, he, I can't remember. Does he have a kid with him? Um, I can't remember. I don't remember. A hundred percent. I th- thought he yeah, had like a kid, a kid with him. There's a kid aspect that he's like protecting this child, and obviously, yeah, like Book of Eli's holding the Bible. He's carrying it around with him, and he's protecting it. He's protecting protecting the child. Um, the way he fights is amazing. It's not. There's not a ton of substance to this movie. I love it so much because it was my very first ever blu-ray disc i bought really i'm not joking you it, lo- f- it looks good the first ever blu-ray i bought was this movie and i remember amy and i coming home to Mazan in the house that we owned and we put it in to our brand new blu-ray player and watching this movie and i was just blown away by the way it looked i was like this is so far and beyond anything i've ever seen before in my life that it has to be one of the greatest movies ever made and so therefore it is the third greatest movie <laughs> Denzel has ever made. It's uh, still very good, though. It's I very mean, good. I don't know if I could go that high with it, but... It's um, number three. I liked it. Well, you had it as five, didn't you? Um, I had it as seven. All right. Well, I'm a bit higher. <laughs> That's fine. We're on to number two. Um, One and two. That's all we got left. Number two. And I'm going to tell you what. This movie took up... I can't tell you how many times I watched this movie. And not like I watched this movie over 20 years, like repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Like in a five-year period, I can't tell you how many times I watched this movie. Really? Um, absolutely love this movie. Own it. Um, it was probably one of the first DVDs I ever bought. Yeah. Um, this movie came out in 1998 called The Siege. The, the Siege. Siege, yeah. I have seen it. Don't remember. Maybe it. once. So this is very much, uh, you know, and it's pre 9-11, but it's very much yeah. a Islamic terrorism movie. Um, it's got Annette Benning in it, who I love. Um, it's got Bruce Willis in it. He plays the, the, the general of the army. That, okay. So what happens is there's like Islamic terror threats in New York City. Yeah. And they basically like declare martial law. Mm-hmm. And because of all these threats... And Tony Shalhoub is in it too. So um, Denzel Washington plays like FBI or CIA agent or whatever, like running around investigating, trying to figure out like this underground fundamentalist Islamic terror group, which is like a ISIS type, like there's cells, you know? Yeah. And different framework to it. But in the meantime, like Bruce Willis is the army general and they're in martial law and they're just like, we're just cracking down. Cracking skulls. Right. Anybody that's Islamic, we're putting them in fucking camps. You know, we're not screwing around. We're beating people. American Islamic Muslim citizens, we're like treating them horribly, beating them, trying to get information. And he's like, so at the same time where he's trying to stop the Islamic terrorists, he's also like fighting against our own overpowered U.S. military that's, you know, doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And uh, Annette Benning, I think, is like a insider, like CIA operative. So she's like an undercover operative for the CIA. And they're mm-hmm. like working together to uncover the spring. And, you know, I mean, spoilers, they kind of find out like they're working with all these contacts in like the Islamic community. And they uncover like the terror plot. And there's 
some scenes where the guy's all strapped up with the C4, you know, to be a suicide bomber. Right. Some amazing monologues, not only... F- and it's one of those, it's like, you you got to really ask yourself, like, who are the bad guys? Like, you don't... Y- yeah. Like, the bad guys are the Islamic terrorists, obviously, but then you get it from their perspective, too. And you get to see what the U.S. response is. Mm-hmm. And then you get to see them saying, like... Listen, I mean, you've invaded our country. Like, you sent bombs. You you bombed schools. You killed my family. Yeah, I had nothing else. I came here with one sole intent after my life was destroyed, and that one sole intent was to like attack. You know, attack. And so you get the monologue, and then you get like the realization: like there is no good and bad. Like everybody's bad. There's two sides of everything. Good. Yeah, and it's just an incredibly nuanced story, and. I don't know. I, I don't think it got like a bunch of acclaim. I don't think it got particularly good reviews. But I don't know. It struck me at whatever, 15, 16 years old, 17. Yeah. I don't remember if I watched it in 98 at the time or when I was a little. I probably didn't watch it in 98. I probably watched it a couple of years later. But um, I was at that age when I was, A, really into movies, but... You know, I don't know. That was a it was a really powerful movie, and I still like remember the effect that it had on me at the time. Yeah, so check it out. So my number two um, is not anywhere close to being like an acclaimed movie by any means. It's another. It's like a similar Denzel movie that is a thriller, like Gun Guy, that is kind of a thrown away, and it's a sequel to an original movie that he did many years ago called Equalizer, and this is called Equalizer 2. A lot of people will laugh at this, right? Like, this is kind of a throwaway movie that Denzel does every once in a while that's just, uh, you know, just a gun movie. Like, he's a hitman, kind of, or a hired gun, right? That's how he was in the first movie. This hired gun, hitman guy that um, is very good at what he does. He can take care of what needs to happen. And that's it. Like, that's the depth of the show. That's the depth of his character, and that's the depth of the movie. And I thought Equalizer 2 would be the same way. And I was watching it. I, I turned it on, like, on a random day just to, you know, I was like, oh, I, I like the first movie. I'll watch this one just randomly, just to waste time. And I put this one on. And it starts off right away differently. Like Denzel is basically retired from that. He doesn't really do it anymore. He was an Uber driver. That's all he does. Like he just is an Uber driver. He's lives at home alone in this little house that he has, like keeps to himself, drives people around in an Uber. And he, the, the movie starts off where he drives a young girl. She gets in the car crying and she's kind of beat up and sick and he drives her to the hospital right away and takes her into the ER and sits with her and like is with her in the hospital for a little bit and then finds out like a little bit about what where she came from but he picked her up from where she came from so he drives back to this building and goes up to the apartment that she came out of cuz he found that out from her and it's a bunch of these like uh kind of like Wall Street type people like young uh Wall Street type guys have a lot of money, don't care about anything else. And he knocks on the door and they open it up and he walks in. They're like, what do you need something old man? Like what's going on? And he's like, uh, 
he asks if this woman, like he has a picture of her. He's like, was she here tonight? Like, did, did she come to this place? Like, yeah. Like, what's it to you? So there's like a guy sitting at a table that's like chopping up Coke. And there's another guy like just sitting, watching TV, drinking beers. And there's like three or four of them in the room. And they're like, yeah, what's it to you? He's like, well, I just took her to the hospital. They're pumping her stomach right now. You know, she's like been drugged with this and raped and all this kind of stuff, beat up. And he starts like laying out all these things that's wrong with this girl. He's like, and she came from this room. And then they start realizing like, wait a minute, he's not here. Like he's here to try to like avenge her. Right. So a guy walks behind her and, or behind Denzel and locks the door, but he's like watching all this stuff. So he sees it in the glass and they like slow it down to show like this guy locking the door and he sees it and he notices this guy over here. And then all of a sudden it like goes fast paced again. And he says a couple words and then they start fighting and it's just like, boom, he just starts taking people out systematically equalizing the room. And that right off the bat to begin the movie, I was like, Oh man, this is going to be good. You know, it's not a normal, like, heartfelt Denzel, right? It's just going to be gritty, like broken bones, like, like shooting man, people man type. On fire type. Yeah, like that kind of movie. And I was like, all right, that's what I'm prepared for. Well, then the movie progresses and he has this young a black kid that is out on the streets and doesn't have much and he takes him in and wants him to like work for him. He's like, I'm going to teach you work ethic. I'm going to teach you how to stay off the streets. I'm going to teach you how to get a good job. And he makes him work in his house. He paints things. He fixes drawers. He makes him into like this handyman um, and forces him to do these things. And he's a high school student. So he waits for him after school. And he literally like watches out his window for this kid to come walking down the street after school and waits for him to make these right choices of because he gives him jobs to do. And then he lets him do those jobs on his own time. So he's like waiting for him to make these right choices of coming in and do these jobs for his mom that he lives with. Like it's just him and his mom alone in an apartment and he's giving it this kid an opportunity and Moses lawn and everything's going good. Well then one day the kid quits showing up and he's like looking out the window and the whole movie revolves around him and this kid. He quits showing up, quits showing up, quits showing up. And then he decides like, I need to go, Hey, I got to find him. So he goes out looking for this kid and then starts investigating more about him. And he's involved with like a bigger deal, right? A bigger gang than what he should be. And I showed you the clip or you listened to the clip. I was watching it on my computer before this. And there's a clip where he finally confronts him and realizes like he's in with this gang and he's doing the wrong thing. He goes into this apartment complex. The kid comes up an elevator and out the elevator door and Denzel's got a gun, obviously, and this kid has a gun. And he's like dressed in like this gangbanger type outfit, right? And he comes out, he's like, What are you doing? And then the kid blows up. You don't know anything about me. You don't know how it is to live like this. And Denzel just goes off and says, like, you you want to be a gangbanger? You want to kill people? Like you you think you're tough? You're a man, right? Like he's like, All right. And he gives him his gun, loads it, hands it to the kid, and he holds the kid's hand up with the gun to his like his cheek. He's like, let me be your first. He's like, you kill me. He's like, you're a man, right? Like be tough. You know how to do this. 
and the kid can't do it. So then he takes the gun from him and then Denzel flips and he holds the gun to this kid's head and starts screaming at him. And like through this whole, it's like three and a half minutes worth of a scene, but everything that he says to this kid and just screaming it, I mean, you heard it. It's like so emotional and so involved. And like, he loves this kid. And he's like, you don't, he says in one point, like, you don't know what death is. Like, you don't know how to do this. And when you know that character that Denzel's been playing in the equalizer from the first movie. And again, it's like a popcorn flick, right? But it all culminates to this one moment where he's so emotionally involved with a kid. He's never had a kid in his life. He's been this hired gun forever. And he's trying to fix like himself through that kid. Through the kid, yeah. And God damn, do they do it well. <laughs> I love it so much. There are certain things that happen that I in these goofy movies that just affect me. And that scene affects me. It's just so good. And then from there, the movie turns, you know, and um, just, and Denzel has to do Denzel things and kill people to protect this kid. But uh, it's a very good scene. And it blew me away when I saw it. I was like, man, I thought this was going to be a throwaway movie. And it's not like that. It was so good. And that's why it's my number two. I would have never thought I would have put a movie like this as my number two, but it's all because of a three-minute scene. <laughs> really well, is. There you go. Uh, my number one, I think you probably know what it is. My number one is a little movie written by the genius behind Suicide Squad. <laughs> wow. Mr. David Ayer. Yeah. And director Antoine Fuqua. Isn't that something? Yeah. Well, David Ayer has made a lot of good movies, too, and bad ones. He has. He made Fury. Um, and Which is good and bad. There's, it's like 50-50. He, he was the director of Bright on Netflix, and I, I like, like that. that movie I like a lot. That. Uh, Sabotage, End of Watch. Ooh, End of Watch got a lot of good He wrote praise. SWAT. <laughs> Remember SWAT? <laughs> what a great movie that was. Uh, the Fast and the Furious he wrote, the original. Really? Yeah. Anyway, he wrote Training Day as well, David Ayer did. Um, and he also uh, was directed by Antoine Fuqua. It is Training Day, obviously. It's your uh, number one. Oscar-winning movie. It's amazing. It's an amazing it movie. Is. I don't even know. If you're sitting here talking about Denzel chewing up scenery oh, and monologues that are this is where unbelievable and powerful, this is the movie. And then... Uh, what's the other dude's name? Uh, Ethan Hawk. Ethan Hawk. Ethan Hawk, and the whole like flipping of good again, good guys, bad guys. Uh-huh. You know, he is not a good guy, Denzel Washington. Not in the slightest. But no. you also empathize with him. You understand why he is the way he is. Right, and it's Ethan like broke Hawks, down. And you see, it, you're you're following the movie through Ethan Hawk's eyes as like the wide-eyed rookie who just wants to do the right thing. Yeah, but you realize that even he has to be corrupted to a certain extent until it just at the end goes off the goes rails, off the rails. Completely. Yeah, completely. Um, and it's, it's a masterclass. I mean, it is just it an is. unbelievable movie. I can't believe you had it at nine, which is ridiculous. <sighs> I know I did. And I don't necessarily feel bad about it. It is an incredible movie. I completely agree with everything you say. It just didn't strike me at the time the same way it has st- struck other people. Um, and I didn't go back to it. That's the problem. Oh, my God. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this movie. So the problem was is like I saw it at a younger age, and it didn't strike me the same. 
So I never went back to it and never really watched it again. And I have this idea of it that's different of you, especially in other people, just because I haven't went back and watched it as like a non-disabled adult. <laughs> because when I was a teenager or young 20s, yeah, watch it now. I've, I had a mental block that um, didn't he, allow me. Fuqua shot the lo, uh, shot on location in some of the most infamous neighborhoods in L.A. in South Central L.A. He even obtained permission to shoot at the Imperial Courts housing project, the first time L.A. street gangs had allowed film crews to be brought into the neighborhood. These are neighborhoods that are completely controlled uh, by street gangs. Yeah. Not controlled by police, not controlled by anybody else. I don't know if that's the case anymore, but at the time, you know, gangs were, I don't know how prominent they still are, but they were very prominent back then in the 90s. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's a very unbelievable looking movie, too. It's just a great movie. And he drives the most BA. He really does. Monte Carlo, it's right? It's such a nice or car. 89 Monte, some late 80s Monte Carlo. I. Desperately wanted that car mm-hmm. because of this movie, um, and I'm, I think I'm going to go get one tomorrow. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow I'm going to buy this car. Uh, I'm going to buy myself a 1988 Monte Carlo. No, um, unbelievable movie. I, number one, best Denzel movie. Okay, that's it for you. King Kong ain't got shit on, on me. me. Uh, I don't have a movie that has a tagline that good as my number one, but this movie is called Glory. Hole? Not Hole. Just Glory. 1989, this movie came out. I did not realize it was that old, but 1989, Glory. It's a Civil War movie where... um, Very few Civil War movies ever made. There's not very many of them, and I love them. I absolutely I can't even think of any other ones other than Lincoln. Love Civil War movies. There's um there was a whole Civil War uh like docu series or mini series on the History Channel uh back in the day that it was like a running movie basically. Um and my mom has always loved the Civil War, so she watched it a lot and that's who It was a horribly depressing war. Oh yeah, it's terrible. Brutal. Terrible. And why does she love the Civil War? I don't know, but it's it turned into me like I had to watch a lot of these things cuz she was watching them and I've tend to enjoy them, but Glory is a movie with Matthew Broderick. Like listen to this. Matthew Broderick, Dan uh, a very Denzel Washington, Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Denzel Washington, Carrie Elwes. Carrie Elwes. And Morgan Freeman is in it as well. But it, it's it's about the like integration of obviously black blacks with whites in the civil war in the union army right. fighting together and Denzel ends up winning an academy award for best supporting actor in this movie um because of the crap that he goes through like he goes through so much crap you're in the midst of this brutal disgusting war but you like also have to fight the people you're supposed to be like brothers in arms with, right? Like the people that are supporting you are so against you and don't want you to succeed, even though they're sending you out to win a battle. Right. Like they're sending specific units out of black troops to win this battle, but they're yet hoping all of them die. 
so they don't have to deal with them again. And then they can just continue on with this war. And then they come back successful from battle, and then they have to deal with it. And Matthew Broderick's character is the one that is like this evil... I think he's a major or a colonel. He's Colonel Robert Gould Shaw. I completely don't remember the movie then because I thought Matthew Broderick was sympathetic. He is. It's a fucking Carrie Elu's character that... Yeah, Matthew Broderick's like, whoa, no, we can't be beating this guy. Yes, absolutely, 100%. It's Carrie Elu's character that is like, I don't want any of them to come back, and that's where Matthew Broderick and him get in arguments as well, like within each other. Yeah. But it's just like this internal battle between this whole unit within another war, and it's incredible. Plus, it's like a disgusting war that has like really intense visual scenes of people getting like legs sawed off because they have a wound. Like some minor, I, I mean, any bullet wound necessarily isn't minor, but in today's day and age would be able to be treated. You know, like a lot of bullet wounds are be are treated and you can keep your limb, then they would get a bullet wound. And they'd be like, well, I guess we have to saw off all your legs. <laughs> it's like bite onto this stick and we're going to saw your hips off. Like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? But there's a lot of scenes like that. Denzel, amazing in it. It's just such a good movie. Do you want to know the critics picks for the top 10 best civil war films? Yes. Um, since you're done. Yeah, I'm done. Yep. That's it. That's That's our top 10. My number, the number one Denzel movie is Glory. Number one for me is Training Day. No, but overall, it's Glory. Yeah. Training Day, Glory. Listen, if I had to watch a movie right now, it'd be Glory. There's no way I'm going for Glory over Training Day. You should. Okay. Anyway, um, number. It's because you don't care about American history. That's what it is. Free State of Jones was a recent Civil War movie. I didn't see it, but Matthew McConaughey was in it. Um, it was supposed to be good. Yeah, I know of that movie. I didn't watch it, but I remember seeing it on Netflix or Amazon. I'm going to skip number Amazon. 10 because it's an old silent movie, The Birth of a Nation. Number nine was Ride with the Devil. Uh, Ang Lee made that movie wow. with Tobey Maguire um, and singer Jewel. Jewel. Who will save your soul? I would go for these... Foolish games are tearing me apart. I fucking love Jewel. She's very good. She's amazing. And I know you You love me and soon you will see you were meant for me. And I was meant for you. Did we just cross two songs? Because I don't think Foolish Games and You Were Meant For Me. I think they're different songs. I'm pretty sure, yeah. But it was a great medley of Jewel. This goes to show. All our songs apparently sound the same. Um, Number eight is a movie that is amazing, Uh, Cold Mountain. Oh, Cold Mountain's very good. Yeah, I didn't really remember that being a Civil War movie, but I guess it was. Um, Well, the article doesn't lie, Chris. No. Um, Gettysburg is number seven. That's a good movie. Yeah, that's good. TNT. Uh, the Outlaw Josie Wales with hmm. Clint Eastwood. That's a that's, good movie. That's a phenomenal movie. I love that movie, and I never. I yeah, don't, I don't ever look at it. Clint as being Eastwood a Civil playing War a Missouri movie. farmer who joins a Confederate guerrilla group after his family is murdered by yeah, Union militia. That's right. 
Uh, number, he gets hung, and he's got a big scar on his neck. Number five, Red Badge of Courage. Oh, I love that book. We read that book in school. I didn't. In middle school, we read the book, Red Badge of Courage. Yes, you did. In seventh grade, probably. Are you sure? 100%. Stephen Crane, you read it. Oh. Well, I have no memory of it. Uh, the Red Badge of Courage. Great movie. Great, great book. I don't remember the movie at all. It's old. It looks old. Um, number four, the Civil War, the Ken Burns documentary. Oh, uh, that's probably what PBS. Ken Burns is the shit. Okay, that's probably what they aired on uh, History Channel because it was just called Civil War. Maybe. Number three was Glory. Number two is Lincoln, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. That's a great movie. It is a really, really good very, movie. Very, very talky. I don't think I'd put it above Glory, though, as a better Civil War movie because I mean, I it's think more it's presidential just, and political than it is. I think it's just more modern. The cinematography is better. You know, well, it is, thing. absolutely. It, Glory was a movie more of More Civil War, though. Number one, Gone with the Wind. Ah, the number one. Like, kick that. Adjusted kick for rocks. Inflation. I think Gone with the Wind's the most successful movie of all time. Get out of here. I'm not a fan. Silly. Anyway, let's move on. These knuckleheads. We've done our top 10. We can get into what we're watching. What we're watching is a lot of things. Ooh, really? I have. I haven't watched anything other than Doctor Who. Listen up. Right off the bat, I've watched a movie with Denzel Washington in it. Is that real? Yeah. Today. What? Today. Today you watched a Denzel movie? Because it was released today. What? I'm not joking. So this day in theaters and on HBO Max, a movie called The Little Things was oh, released. Oh, I've heard about this, but I, I don't even know what it's about. I haven't seen a trailer or anything. Oh, I'll fill you in. I'm not going to spoil it. Okay, don't I'm, spoil it. I won't spoil I'll it for you. I'll watch this movie. So it's with Denzel Washington. As a police officer slash past detective. Getting a little old for this shit. Yeah. Um, and he is in the movie. I mean, it's kind of written in there. Uh, it's by design. There's Rami Malik. Ooh. He is also a detective. And then there's Jared Leto. Ooh. As this crazy, crazy man. Okay. Um, it is a... What a cast. Murder, thriller... Like suspense movie, like normal, like Denzel does. Um, you don't get to see Jared Leto until like the second half of the film. Oh, I mean, if only it was only like one act later. <laughs> right? Yeah, no kidding. Um, he does very well. So I would say Jared Leto's character is good. Is he? It's uh, a little as good as the Texas AIDS movie because that's good. Oh, He's Dallas Buyers, Buyers Club? Club. No. Not at all. No. You know, he's a I good, can't believe that movie made such a big impact on me. That is such a good movie. <laughs> it's a very good movie. <laughs> so Jer Jared Leto does very well in this movie. It's a strange character. It's a strange story in a way, I guess. Um, it's just weird how they make his character play so closely with the cops. Um most of the time, you know, you always have these cops like chasing a killer or chasing a person that is bad, right? And they're kind of distant and they're always like playing catch up. And then when they finally meet, it all culminates to this moment and then they meet and then everything ends there. This is not like that. This is where they kind of meet and kind of mingle and they kind of like hang out with each other 
throughout the rest of the movie. And I thought it was rather strange. Denzel does very good. He has a couple scenes that I thought were decent. Um, but all in all, it's it fall it, it fell a little flat. Three Academy Award winning actors. Three. It, it fell a little flat. Okay. Um, I don't Fair think enough. the story's there. It's not that they don't do well. Well, I'm not going to watch it now. So Congratulations. <laughs> I don't mean to drive you away, but... No, I'm not watching it now. I don't think you need to. I'm not going to. It's not bad. I think it's a good movie. It's decent. I just don't feel like the story was there to support all three of these characters. You are lacking on Rami Malek's character for the detective that he is like his story doesn't really play a part in anything. He's like the new detective of this district and that's all you get out of him. Then you have Denzel who was the past detective in this, uh, like precinct or whatever. Um, and he goes off to this little podunk town as a sheriff over there because of issues that he had previously. Then he comes back to get evidence and ends up taking over this case with Rami Malik. Jared Leto is this crazy guy. He does crazy guy things. He is a crazy guy person. There's a scene. John Lee Hancock originally wrote the screenplay for the film almost 30 years ago. After completing his work on Clint Eastwood's A Perfect World. So it's fine. It was a good movie to watch today when I didn't have literally anything going on. Um, But falls a little flat. Didn't do what Denzel movies normally do. Steven Spielberg, Clint Eastwood, and Danny DeVito were all attached to direct at separate times. Okay. But none of them did. Yeah. Crazy. Um, so I watched that. All right. Little things. What else? Um, I have another documentary about murders. Murder. It's called Night Stalker. The Night Stalker, which they reference in... This movie with Denzel. Uh, That's weird. It is weird. It kind of caught me off guard. They're like, we haven't seen this many deaths since the Night Stalker. Because it's all dealing with L.A. Like they're in L.A. Okay. Um, do you know about this? The Night Stalker documentary? No, not at all. Oh, boy. Not you, even heard of it. Where, where's this at? It's on Netflix. Okay. You got to watch this. I this is a true... like serial killer based documentaries. Why? At all. Why? It's just not my thing. My the, wife loves them. Me, hate them. I'm telling you right now, this documentary was so well done by Netflix or whoever created it, I guess. It's unbelievable. They've got the two original detectives on the case that they're interviewing throughout the whole series, right? There's only um, four episodes. I think there's just, yeah, it's a mini documentary so it's just four episodes that are an hour long piece okay um it's very short maybe i'll watch it then. and it just it's about like this one young cop um he was korean and he comes into the like lapd and during his time like he gets into the lapd kind of works his up his way through the ranks like as soon as he becomes a detective like his very first day on the job a murder happens and they send him to go investigate. Um, And then he immediately starts working with this older uh, detective that had already been on a case called the Hillside Strangler. It was a big case in LA at the time. And he solved this. I've heard of that. I've heard of that. So this detective solved that murder. And then he was working with this brand new, like rookie detective. And 
they worked together to try to find the Night Stalker. And it was about this young man that goes around just murdering and attacking people ruthlessly throughout L.A. He went up to San Francisco. He was in multiple different places. But some of the horrific things that this man did, it's very unsettling. Um, it is caught it, me off guard. I didn't... Is it as unsettling as... Did you ever watch Don't Fuck With Cats? Yes, I did. Is it that unsettling? Because that literally ruined my life. <laughs> it's, this isn't going to ruin your life. This happened in the 80s, like the year you were born. So I, like in 85, it all ended. Well, the guy ended up dying like later in the 90s, but in prison and whatnot. But anyway, um, it's a long process for that guy to be through jail and whatnot. But during this the time they like literally count it down to days. It's like a hundred, it ends up being like 160 days or something from the time of the first murder that they found to the time they actually catch him. But can I spoil a part of it for you? Sure. The ending of this is what really got me. Like the way this murderer was caught, he was murdering people and it caused such an uproar in LA County and that surrounding area that people were locking up their houses. They had curfews. People weren't allowed to be outside after dark. Like they were, it was guaranteed someone was going to die every night because of the night stalker. Like they were so worried about this guy that everything shut down. And it came to a point where they finally catch this guy. They put out a picture of him. They finally figure out who he is. They put out a picture of him. It's on every newspaper. Everybody can finally physically see the man who's doing this. And then a person on a bus looked over and he was sitting next to her, like, or a guy across the aisle. And she lo- he looked at the picture and looked at him and looked at the picture. And then the Night Stalker guy looks over and realized that he's been identified and immediately gets off the bus and he goes to like a newspaper place and sees that his face is all over everything. And then everybody on the street starts recognizing him. And the guy that recognized him on the bus hopped off and got to a payphone and was calling the police because he found him. So then this guy starts running across like the 105 freeway. He runs across all lanes of traffic, stops traffic, Bob gets hit. He starts running through a neighborhood. He tries to like hijack cars in this neighborhood. And he's trying to pull this woman out of her car and people see him doing it. So this other guy comes over and he just happened to have a piece of rebar in his hand and he walks over and hits him on the head with rebar. It didn't knock him out, but it like knocked him down and he saw his face and everybody like immediately recognized him because he was so well known at this point. They all recognize him and people started coming out of all of their houses and they surrounded him and they had aerial footage of him sitting on a curb with this massive crowd of people in this Hispanic neighborhood, and he was a Hispanic man. They were all surrounding him, and the whole neighborhood basically caught this guy. And then they they kept saying, like, does anybody have a gun? Because they were going to kill him. Like, the whole crowd was like, we're done with this? Yeah. Like, you've set so much fear in our lives, and you've taken so many people out of this world. We're done with this. And they started asking for guns. And then... Finally, a police officer came in and they realized, like, the police started to realize, like, holy cow, we have to save this man from the crowd. And they put him in the car, you know, and drove him away. But then when they got him to the actual 
jail. There was huge crowds outside the jail that were there just to see him. And it was just really neat on how he was caught. Like the whole community came together to stop this guy in broad daylight and get him arrested. And then there's more stories about the trial and whatnot, but it blew me away. I couldn't believe the involvement and like the terror that this guy caused. And I had never heard of it before. Yeah. no, I And it's either. something that happened like when, before my birth, about 15 years after you were born. Um, but we'd never really heard about it. And it was such a big deal. And I'm on the uh, Tom Segura podcast with his wife. His wife grew up in that area and she was talking about it. And she said this, she's like, I hated that man so bad. He ruined like two summers of my life as a child. Like everything we did revolved around whether the Night Stalker was around. That's crazy. Isn't that insane? Yeah. But it was good. If anybody enjoys that type of stuff, like murder documentaries, go watch that. It's so well put together. You get to see the investigator, like literally them talking about their lives at that time and what happened in their lives, trying to find this guy. And after they found this guy, the main detective that was like a rookie, his wife and children left him. She said, we cannot be with you uh, during this. You're gone all the time. And then they knew that this guy ended up finding out who the detectives were on the case. So they immediately thought like, we are in grave danger here because they know who you are. And then a murder happened literally like six houses down from where this detective lived. And that's when the wife was like, I'm out. Like Mm. you aren't going to see me again. So for like six months, they lived apart. They hadn't never seen each other uh, until she's like, I'm not coming back until this is done. So the whole time he was trying to solve this case, he didn't have his family around him. That's crazy. And it really like emotionally affected him, but it's really cool. Cool. Well, um, anything else you've been watching? Blown Away. Oh my gosh. Blown Away season two? Blown Away season two, the glass blowing. I haven't started it yet. I loved season one. I started it. uh, I watched like three episodes back to back to back, and then I fell asleep and it ended up finishing the season, but... Obviously, I didn't because right. I fell asleep. So I need to go back and watch more of it, but it's fun. I loved season one of that show. I hate reality shows, but I don't mind competition shows like that. I loved Lego, the Lego show. Um, and that's coming back. Yeah. Well, that show's amazing. Yeah. I, I like really like that Lego show. Um, what's his name? Will, Will Arnett. Arnett is uh, coming back. But I also really well. enjoyed uh, Blown Away, and that's why I was... Um, looking for something like that, and I found that Forged in Fire show, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be like Blown Away, and it's, it is complete garbage. It is not the same. It is yeah. a joke. Uh, blown Away is phenomenal. Watching these people make these incredible glass It takes them so long to do. I hope season two is even better than season one. I don't know if it is, but... I don't know. Three episodes were very good. I think, like, season one, I remember there being... A couple female contestants, and they're like, we have to represent women in this male-dominated field. And that season two is like mostly women, but yeah, they're it's all not- still like, we have to represent women in this mostly... Wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, they honestly, they never even brought it up. Anyway, uh, that's... I mean, There were three... There's, I think, at least three women on the show. There was a fourth woman as a... Uh, like, not the host, but like as a judge. Yeah. And then the winner of season one comes back as a judge, uh, the first episode. And 
no, there's three women right off the bat, but there's also like four different countries uh, that are in this season. So there's Australia, England, Canada, and the U.S. So they have people from all over the place. Nice. It's pretty cool. I'm going to watch it um, as soon as I finish up Doctor Who and then The Expanse. Um, Yeah, I got to start The Expanse. So uh, we were going to talk a little bit about WandaVision because that's the other big show, but Jerry wasted all the time talking about Night Stalker. Night Stalker. I did. I'm sorry. I think we should hold off. We have nine minutes. I know. I think we should still hold off on WandaVision. I'm sorry to keep doing this to you. We need to talk about this show. Well, let's talk about that. The problem is... time. It's fine. You haven't seen the episode that released, the fourth episode that released, and it's an important one. Okay, but we can talk about our impressions three episodes in. Okay. What's wrong with that? Start. All right. So my impression of this show, and I mentioned this in the last episode because a lot of people come to me and they want to talk about... Comic booky type shows, yeah, because they've made it mainstream, and everybody wants to talk about it. And they've been like, "What the hell's up with Wandavision?" And um, so, first of all, my impression: I'm very much enjoying it, and I'll tell you why. Um, I have a lot of problems with it so far, but mm-hmm. there's also things that I really enjoy. So, my problems with it thus far is that the only reason anybody's hanging on after three episodes of the same thing that is extremely slow is because they know that it's Marvel and they know that there's a payoff. Yes. If this was not Marvel and there was no Marvel goodwill... Dead in the water. This After two episodes of, of no advancing storyline, um, it would have lost all goodwill and every viewer would have dropped off. So that, that's the big problem with the first two episodes especially is that uh, you literally get nothing out of this There's show. a couple like little... Dips and dunks here and there, but, but plot wise, not significant. It doesn't advance any story. You don't know what the plot is. You don't know anything Character about what's going nothing. on. Now that all. that being said, that is a true fact. That being said, though, I actually really did enjoy how well it was done as far as trying to make a 1950s ish sitcom, and I thought Elizabeth Olsen. Specifically, it is is very good at beautiful. It. Yeah. Like it's beautifully done. Elizabeth Olsen is amazing. She at it. really is a very good actor, and I, I everybody, all the cast and everything. Now that being said, was it enough? I I felt. Listen, people, I felt it, the slowness myself. It's very slow, and I tell you what, like if you 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 talk about Avengers, you talk about Marvel and whatnot. And if you came into this not knowing that it was going to be a sitcom, even though, like, we guarantee you, talked like, about it. Even you. if you knew what was coming afterwards, but you, you were just surprised that this is what it was going to be, I could see a lot of people shutting it off. Well, and here's what my point: if you're a casual fan, um, I I have no right to sit there and say, "Stick it out; it's going to be worth it." Right. I I mean, I know it's going to be worth it. I'm telling people, stick it out. But if somebody came to me and they're like, you know what? I watched three episodes and like, I, I just don't want to. There's anymore. just nothing there for it. And I, I'm not going to tell that person unless they're a huge fan. And if they're a huge fan, they're already sticking around anyway. So if you're a casual fan, I can't tell you to stick with it. I'm going to tell you it's going to get really good because yeah. 
the the machinations behind this show yes. are a little bit genius. Um, the Easter eggs going into it, a but b the like just the balls to oh do something gosh. like this. You don't do something like this that takes this kind of balls unless the payoff is worth the juice is worth the squeeze. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you what. No, that's a hundred percent true. The juice is going to be worth the squeeze. So the uh, let's. The first two episodes are black and white. They're 50s and 60s. They're, uh, you know, similar to like Dick Van Dyke show and Bewitched. They look just like that. And those are fine. I, I got through them. They did what they needed to do. I didn't necessarily enjoy them like thoroughly, but they were what they were. The third episode came along. And I immediately loved it so much better. The what, third what was episode, the episode where they did the magic show because I really enjoyed that. That was the second episode. I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah, the magic show was good. I enjoyed it as an old school bewitched style sitcom. Yeah. Like I thought it was doing that very well. No, I absolutely agree with you. It's just that I always, I have this thing in the back of my head thinking that there is going to be some sort of a reveal coming soon or like something more is to this scene or something more is to this episode when in reality there wasn't. And I think there was in the Easter eggs, but just very slightly though, it's not anything that was a a, very abrupt. I thought there was going to be this abrupt change within one of those episodes. Well, I I certainly thought it would be in, in episode three that affected me. Well, then episode three came along and there was at the very end, at the very end of very abrupt change, even in the middle of the episode where they do these things where, uh, like somebody says something that's a little bit different or off, yeah, or off, and then all of a sudden it's like a cut, like a perfectly cut scene. Like you can tell that it's almost like film was cut and then taped back together to look like something else. Yeah. You know, it's like a bad edit, and they it's and it done like on rewinded. purpose. And then also the uh, amazing. Let's not give. Let's not gloss over the amazing scene. When she's got the baby and she realizes and she remembers that she has a twin brother, Pietro. 100%. That's what I was getting to is that at the end of the third episode. It's so, and the, the eerie music. Yeah. She's like, I was a twin once. I had a brother, Pietro. And you could just see her like recalling it. You yeah. Know? Yes. And then, um, what's her name? Um, the chick that's in everything. Can't remember her name either. Yeah, well, it's Monica Rambo is the actual character, but she calls herself something else in the in the show or in this like in those episodes, um, something Grace or something. But anyway, she says, "Oh, you had a you had a brother." It's like, was he killed by Ultron? And then that's when Wanda was like, "What the fuck did you just say to me?" Like looks at her and is like, what did you say? She's like, oh, oh, nothing. Let's check the babies. And then she realized, like, how do you know about Ultron? Like, why are you here? Like, you need to leave. So, so episode three has plenty of intrigue. And, yeah, and plenty of good stuff going on. The problem, I think, was, and I know that's why they dropped one and two together as thirty-five minute episodes. Yes, because they didn't want 
to space it out a week and then they really would have lost people. Absolutely. If you would have spaced those two episodes out a week You'd apart, be fucked. the second week, everybody would be like, I'm done. But what they should have done do is this. put three and four out at the same time too. Because Probably. then you start at episode Because I haven't seen four, but I understand that that's the beginning of the actual show. To be honest, this should have been a, a... They should have dropped all of it at once. That or put out one and two, put out three and four, and then, then at episode five, go week to week. Because at that point, you're into the actual show. Yeah, you could do this, that. The first two episodes are not the show. Yeah. They're a setup to yeah. the mystery. So but it's not that intriguing. That's the problem. The first two episodes don't pull you in. They don't give you that level of intrigue. If they would have thrown in at the end of one and two, each one of those episodes, a scene like they did at the end of three, yeah, no issues. Here's so there's a little bit of an interesting take. issues. There. Here's an interesting take that I read a couple of days ago. That so we we you kind of know that like obviously like this is a world that is being put on. Yeah, it's being it's right. being um it's being made to keep her docile and keep her at bay. I won't talk about this article though. Cuz that's wrong. What? The world you speak of. Okay. That's wrong. And you'll understand that in episode 4. You'll find out more in episode 4. But I was going to talk about an article that I read that is like speculation of what is going to happen in phase four of the Marvel universe. And it involves Dr. Who or uh, Dr. Dr. Strange. So my, Dr. Strange, my kind of understanding or my thought, and this could be totally wrong was, you know, she's an extremely powerful character. Yes. And she's a very, the most and extremely damaged character. Mm -hmm. So my thought, and this is just, from stuff I've heard, but also just kind of my own thought, is that the idea would be that she's too dangerous or she's deemed too dangerous to... And, and she's already been wronged oh, by, absolutely. by S.H.I.E.L.D. So she's kind of been deemed too dangerous to just be out in the world, so they create this environment for her, this false reality for her to live in, and that she's eventually going to break out of this, and I, I feel like she's actually going to be a villain in a certain extent in Phase 4. Yeah. Or a foil, anyway. To a point, yeah, yeah. You're some of that's right. Okay, I think. I'm curious as to what's wrong about that because that's 100 percent how I felt like they were going with this show. But now you've got me very intrigued. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you should be intrigued okay. because it is similar to what you're speaking of, but there are some variances there that are different. Okay, um, and. Yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. Well, I love seeing Paul Bettany uh, playing, like, not the Vision he, character, like, playing, like, a... An actual human. Yeah. Yeah. There was a good story that he uh, put out that after he filmed his last scene for Endgame or uh, Infinity War, whatever it was, when he died, like, after all that was done and everything, like, it was a, a few days later, he got uh, a call like saying he needed to come back to Kevin Feige's office and they needed to talk to him and whatnot. And so he was with his wife and he's like, well, he's like, yeah, obviously I'm done. Like this is where they tell me I'm over, I'm over with in the Marvel universe and they're not bringing me back. So he realizes this and thinks like I'm done. So he goes to this meeting 
assuming this. And he walks in and he, as soon as he walks into the room, he's like, listen, guys, everything has been great. I appreciate the opportunity. Like you don't have to explain yourselves. It's, it's, it's fine. Like I loved every minute of it. Thanks for the opportunity. I, I loved it. And they're like, why are you thanking us? Yeah, we're talking about phase four and here. He's like, well, you know, you know, because I'm done. And they're like, oh, like, no, you're not done. Yeah. We have a TV show for you. Like, we don't have a, a multi-picture deal with you. You're really cheap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we can just do whatever we want. Yeah. He's like, wait. He's like, what? What do you mean a TV show? They're like, oh no, we're doing a sitcom with Vision. And he's like, I don't even need to know what it is. I'm in. <laughs> and, well, I got nothing else going on, so I'm yeah, fine. Yeah, exactly. Actually, that guy's been in a lot of he's stuff. He's in a ton of stuff. He's always a side character. He's always like a supporting person. No, he's person, great. He's great. But he's very good in everything he does. Um, but he will, I mean, Vision is going to be his paycheck the rest of his life. Oh, yeah, for you know? sure. Well, I mean, I don't know. The Outside of this show, I can't see him coming. But he's dead. I mean, he's not. Oh, no, no, I know. But I mean... Right? The royalties. Is he dead? I don't know. I haven't seen. We the, guess we have to watch the rest of the WandaVision. I think he's dead. I mean, my assumption is that he's dead. He's dead. Um, but he might exist. I mean, there's a computer, so his consciousness could exist. Yeah, but without the Mind Stone, I don't think you can put them together. I mean, they got the Mind Stone back, so I don't know. Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, I thought they all blew up, though. No, Captain America returned them all. That's right. So they are still a thing. So yeah, potentially you could put them back together. And Wanda, being the ultimate power in the universe, could probably easily collect that stone. Well, and that may, I mean, that may come forward later in episodes. As of right now, I believe he's dead. I mean, I don't see how he's not, but we'll see. He's dead. He's dead. God he is so dead. Um, so I'm intrigued enough. I'm obviously in the bag. Um, I know we have a lot of listeners that aren't as into this stuff as we are. And if you fell off the wagon, I would encourage you no. to stick with it. But, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Yeah. So. And and I'll tell you, so the things that happen in the fourth episode, you are going to have to have knowledge of what happens in Endgame and things prior to that. Like, you are going to have to have some knowledge of the Marvel Universe cinematic universe that happened years prior to this in order to understand what is going on. And I'm not just talking about Endgame. I'm not just talking about Infinity War. There are other movies you're going to have to have a little bit of knowledge about in order to understand fully that episode. Right. And it it does it right off the bat in the beginning of the uh, episode. Like, right on Front Street, you see all this stuff happen and you would have to know that this was a thing prior to understand the rest of the show. Like the rest of the episode, you'd be like, what What the fuck is going on? Right. Um, so you have to have a little bit of investment in the MCU to get this show. Uh, it's the first time that Marvel's really ever done anything like this where you have to have so much more invested in order to understand the show. But you But do. that's the point of shows, though. That's why yeah. it's not a movie. That's why it's a show. 
This right. is a show for people that like Marvel movies. Period. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? It's and, it's and a deep cut, man. This isn't this isn't Captain connect, America. It's, it's all a connected. It's all a connected universe, though. Like this is the way they're going. Like even though it's Phase Three and Phase Four, we're going into Phase Four for Marvel Universe. That doesn't mean they forget about everything that happened prior. No, What's the chance. This of- just means that they're starting a new story. That is going to be just like phase three, just bigger in phase four. But everything that happened before this is still relevant. It's still a thing. It's still part of the story. Yeah. So what's the chances of getting Pietro back in a Quicksilver? Uh, you can't rule anything out. Such a cool character. Yeah, you can't rule any of that out. And what's the chances of them connecting Wanda to her actual heritage of being a mutant? Yeah, she could be, but she was created by... Uh, well, that's what they established in the movies because they didn't own Sony Pictures at the time, but they right. do now. Anyway. so I'm, what, are, I'm in, what are the chances of a girl like me and a guy like you? <laughs> you know? Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for Snarf Talk this week, I've been Chris. I am Jerry. See ya. Bye.